We've been talking about hope. And um, anybody watching news lately? We are, by the way, um, I don't know if you uh, read a lot about the end times, but you probably should. Matthew chapter 24 is a good place to start. Chapter 25, um, the book of Revelation is sometimes hard to understand, but you can, you can get books that will help you through that. The Bible is very clear. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be famines, disease, all kinds of things. If that doesn't describe our day that we're living in now, uh, I don't know what does. I mean, since I've been alive, I've been alive 47 years, I don't know that there has been a time where there hasn't been talk about a war. I don't know that there has ever been a time where there hasn't been war on the earth somewhere. And oftentimes it's multiple places. And now we're living in the middle of people sitting on the edge of their seat, wondering again, is this going to be it? If you turn on the news, you hear, oh, this is the beginning of World War III. Here's what's going to happen. The conversation. And then you, then you start talking about inflation and all these crazy things. And then you couple that with mass shootings and, and crime and all that. And, and you can just want to curl up in your house, put a big wall up around it, and protect yourself. If we did that, that would be the exact opposite of God's plan for our lives. The exact opposite. The exact opposite. It's in very moments like this where the world looks hopeless that the church stands up alive and says, no, there is hope. And his name is Jesus. So we're going to talk about that again today. We're walking through, we're walking through Hebrews chapter 11 and we're, we're going to talk about um, hope that's maybe delayed. Now, last week you heard about Sarah having having. Um, her, her son, and that's a, that's a really cool story, and God does keep his promises. We talked about, we've already talked about Abraham and Sarah moving out from, from where they were from and going to a place that was unknown. We talked about Noah. But now the writer of Hebrews kind of classifies all these people in a different light. It's almost like they received a promise, but it wasn't the promise. And we're going to look at that. And what does it look like when hope, when hope is actually not here, when it's, when it's coming? Hebrews chapter 11, we'll start in verse 13. Why don't you stand to your feet in honor of the word? And we'll get this going. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth for people who speak thus make it clear that they were seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have, they would have an, had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, your word is true to us. It gives us hope in you. 
And Lord, we pray that you'd put that deep into our hearts. No matter what we read, no matter what we hear, there is hope. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Now we've read about Noah. We've read about Abram. We've read about Sarah. We've read about Enoch. We've read about Abel. And the writer of Hebrews, when he gets to verse 13, starts to talk about that none of these people had actually received the promise. Now, it it seems like some of them have received a promise, but now he clarifies and says none of them received the promise. And he actually says that they were they all ended up looking forward to a homeland that wasn't here on earth. They were all looking forward to heaven. And they, they classified themselves as aliens and strangers, as people not, not permanent residents of this earth. And so they had this hope in the future. They had this hope that it was going to be different than what they were currently experiencing. It may seem like contradictory because Noah and his family were spared the judgment of the flood. Sarah does have a child. But the promise was more than just those things. The promise was more than just Isaac. The writer of Hebrews would talk about how the people understood that the promise was to receive a better country, a heavenly one. And all of them lived as temporary residents of this earth, looking ahead to the permanent promise made by God. The way they lived and died is described as faith. These all died in faith. They lived lives as though it would happen in faith. Okay. So, we keep coming back to this theme of hope that... What we place our hope in has to be beyond our current experience. You following me? Because I don't know about you, but your, your, your experience can change by the week, by the day, by the hour, by the minute. You could wake up this morning and go, oh, it's a beautiful morning. And then by the middle of the day, it could be raining. True? And for those of you that hate rain... Uh, that might be a bad thing. You could wake up this morning full of energy and get a diagnosis by the middle of the day. You could, uh, like, are you following me? Things can change by the minute. You could seem really successful in one moment and the economy could change and be, and then seem unsuccessful in a short period of time. The truth of the matter is life is, is unpredictable and you don't control everything in it. And I'm glad you don't control everything and I'm glad I don't control everything. Yeah. So as believers, what we often do inadvertently is that we, we place our hope in things on this earth that we believe God is controlling for us. And, and if you've been coming to this church any length of time, you know that I despise the idea of the prosperity gospel and that you do certain things and God just pours money on top of you and, and all these, you know, health and wealth and all this stuff and you never get sick and you never... Um, listen, prosperity gospel people die too. They do. I was in, uh, I was in Africa one time 
preaching in a church on a Sunday morning, and for the offering talk, the guy was telling everybody that um, that uh, Jesus gave us eternal life, so there's no reason for you to get sick or old. And I thought, I might be in the wrong church. But if we're not careful, that's what we hope for. If we're not careful, that's what we, that's what we put our foundation in. I am in Christ now. I've given him my life. I've, he's forgiven me of my sins. And now it's all good from here. And that presents us with a problem. Because then life hits us straight in the face. And, um, and your spouse doesn't love you on Monday the way they loved you on Sunday. No, God, fix them. Right? Your kids were angels until they turned two. And then they turned 14. And then they turned 30. Your job was perfect when you got it. And then 10 years in, it went sideways. We have to deal with these things over and over and over again. And the truth of the matter is, we haven't even gotten into what everybody else is doing. These are just things that we're doing. Now, once you turn the news on, and like we said, you start listening to like, oh my goodness, what is happening? The world is blowing up and everybody's killing each other and and it's chaos. and, And now what do we do? How do we have hope in all these circumstances? How do, we, how do we figure all that out? One of the most important things we could do is acknowledge what our time and earth is about. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged, look at your neighbor and say acknowledged. I mean, say it like you mean it. Acknowledge. That they were strangers and exiles on earth. Okay. Now, can I be honest with you? When I was 16, this was hard for me to grasp. But the older I get, the easier it is for me to grasp. Because my body starts hurting for no reason. We had a wonderful vacation. We walked probably 40 miles, 50 miles. Um, We were eating well and, and walking every day. And it was just a wonderful vacation. And then I got home yesterday and my back started hurt for no reason. I'm like, Satan, I ain't off vacation yet. The older I get, the more I realize that this body is decaying, no matter what I do. Now, uh, I got a compliment this week when we told some people we were having dinner with that, that we didn't know. We, we said, um, uh, they said, oh, you know, do you guys have kids? And we're like, yeah, we got kids. And they were like, well, how old are your kids? We said 24, 22, and 20. And they were like, what? We thought you had little kids. And we're like, I know. God has been so good to us. But can I tell you, it's just this. This hurts like a 60-year-old. Okay. The best thing a believer can do is acknowledge that this is temporary. If you go into your relationship with Christ on the idea that this is going to be permanent here on the earth as we're experiencing it, you're up for a disappointment. 
Because every believer ends up getting sick. Every believer ends up dying. Every believer ends up ends up experiencing pain at some level. Every believer does. Because this was not created. You, This is not your permanent home. It's not. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God said, I'm going to make something better. He started the plan to not, to not fix it. To, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a tinkering. It wasn't a tinkering. It was to create a new heaven and earth. It wasn't wish heaven would come here and just make this better. It was I go to prepare a place for you. And you haven't been able to conceive what that place is like. So all of a sudden, now we understand that we are temporary. Everybody before us was temporary. We are temporary and everybody after us is temporary. And the older you get, the more you realize it's temporary. Can I get an amen of somebody in here longer than me? And I remember, I've told you before, I remember growing up as a kid thinking, why do these 80-year-olds want to go so bad? And now I'm like, hmm. I remember being at church as a kid, hearing them pray, Lord, come quickly. And I used to think, hey, pause on that for a second. I'm 12 years old. I don't want to go yet. But they had embraced that this was temporary. And I couldn't conceive it in my 12, 14-year-old mind. I thought, this is it, God. This is permanent. And you got to make it all the way I want it. Because if it's not, I don't know what to do. And the 80-year-olds in the church I grew up in were going, hey, he's coming. He's coming. And I used to think, oh, well, you got to experience everything, and you're just a little down about it. No. No, they were pointing towards something they knew would be better than even a 12-year-old could imagine. They knew that their hope was not here. They knew it was pointing to something greater. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Did you hear that? Peter's talking to the church. I urge you as sojourners and exiles, not people permanent to this place, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. He says, don't embrace all this stuff. Don't embrace all this, whatever feeling you have that rises up within you. That's not godly. He says, live like temporary residents. I'm not from here, and so I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing here. Did you hear me? I'm not from here, so I'm not doing everything that everyone else is doing. You know, when I, when I go to Africa, it's really neat. Um, and I've been going for a pretty long time now. And, and I'm not from Africa. There's certain things I don't eat. I know all the good missionaries are like, no, you eat everything, Chris. I'm not a great one. So the funny part is now, Pastor Dan and I right there, we're in, in Nairobi this year. or no, Yeah, Nairobi, we walk in for a lunch, and the lady just smiled at us because they were serving cow's stomach. Why do you say that? It's, lo- it's lovely if you are from there. Dan and I have a pack. We're not going to eat it. And we will defend each other to the death to not eat it. And so the lovely, wonderful lady was standing in front of us with the spoon, and she said, and I just, 
went, ah, and she said, I'm not going to make you eat that. Everybody else in the room ate it because you know why? They were from there. But the expectation was that I didn't have to eat it because I'm not from there. The problem is with the church is we're eating what everybody else is eating. The problem is with the church is we're trying to act like we're from here and we're getting a stomach ache. Because I can tell you, if I ate that, it would not go through the right way. It would either come back up unnaturally or come out unnaturally. Either way, it's not working. And the problem with the church is we got heartburn eating the things we weren't supposed to eat. Because we came in and God said, you're supposed to act like exiles, like sojourners. Like you're supposed to act like you're not from here. You're supposed to be temporary residents. You're supposed to be putting up tents, not castles. And you're supposed to be passing through a land blessing people. You're supposed to be passing through a land, passing on hope. You're supposed to be passing through. You're not supposed to be sitting down just in, just embracing everything. So what happens when we do that? We end up getting a stomach ache. We end up not looking like the church. We end up doing unnatural things that God didn't want us to do. So we have the first thing we have to do is recognize that this is not, this is not what our time on earth is to be. It's a constant fight we have as followers of Christ. This life seems permanent, but it's definitely not. The next life seems so far away, but it's not. And the challenge is to live this life keenly aware of how temporary it is. And then no matter what happens in this life, it is not the promise. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not the promise. I don't care how good it can be. It's not the promise. So we got to set up some rules that the writer of Hebrews kind of laid out for us. We got to set up some rules. If we're going to be temporary liver, living here temporarily, we got to set up a few rules. And we've talked about this a little bit. The first rule is we don't embrace culture. So uh, we live in the world, but we're not of the world. We're different. We're different. We, we, we're in it, but we're from somewhere else. My, my oldest daughter lives in Nashville. She said, Dad, there's no one from Nashville that lives here. Everybody's moved here in the last 10 years, including her. And she said, that's crazy. Everybody's moving to Nashville. And I said, well, well, then nobody knows what Nashville's like because everybody's just moving there, bringing their own stuff with them. You know what I mean? It's the, it's the definition of a transient neighborhood. So we get a picture that we're here, but we're not. From here, we're looking to something different. So, so when we're here, it means we don't embrace the culture. Now, now, can I, can I warn you about something? Because here's what the church is doing now. We're letting the culture dictate what our, what our theology will be. We're letting the culture dictate what our theology will be. We just did a whole series called, um, um, what was it called? Tug of War. We just did a whole series called Tug of War, where we're trying to, establish that that the Bible dictates our culture, not the culture dictates the Bible. Amen? So the way we live is not to take, well, this is what everybody's thinking now. This is what I hear on the news. This is what all the commentators say. Now let me see if the Bible lines up with that. And if it doesn't, I'll just make a couple adjustments so that it does. I'll leave some of it out. By the way, if you have to leave some of it out, you might as well leave all of it out. 
Jesus said some really controversial things, didn't he? You should read all the red letter stuff. At some point, Tom, you'll read the red letter stuff and you'll get mad. I'm promising you. Because the Savior of the world did not come to make everybody happy. He came to set everybody free. So all of a sudden, if we're temporary, we have to say, this is not the culture we adhere to. We have the word of God, and it dictates how we think about what the culture says is right. Now, can I just let you know, we talked about this for, for a, more than a month, two months. You don't have to be nasty about it. You don't have to be nasty about it, but you can say, this is, this is what I adhere to, and be really nice. Is it possible that you could be really nice? Is it possible? Is it possible, Berkeley Springs, that you could be really nice? Is it possible, Concord, that you could be really nice? That you could disagree with the culture and still be really nice? Is it possible? You know what the, church, you know what the culture has convinced us of? The culture has convinced us that if you follow Jesus, you've got to be nasty. That you've got to be intolerant. That you've got to be, that you've got to be negative towards people. I hear people all the time, well, if you love people. No, 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 no. No, Jesus, Jesus turned the temple upside down because of truth. Now, hear me out. Don't go in the grocery store tomorrow and start flipping tables over and say, this culture is going to hell and I'm fixing it. No, don't do that. But you can speak truth and love mixed together. You can do that. And if we're not from here, we have to do that. Amen? Are you following me? Colossians chapter three, verse one. If, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul is writing to the Colossians saying, your hope is in the future. So keep your mind on those things, not on these things. And when Christ appears, you'll be with him. That's our hope. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus says himself, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in a seal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in a seal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. He said, if you put your treasure in the culture and what's going on right now, that's where you'll be thinking. That's where your heart, that's where your, that's where your attention will be. That's where your affection will be. And he says, you can't have hope putting all your affection in things that are here. You can't. You can't. When we embrace culture and the things of the world, it keeps our hearts and minds pointed towards the temporary and not the eternal. We end up being on emotional roller coasters because one minute it's good and the next minute it's not. So if this is temporary, I need to stay focused on the permanent culture. On the permanent culture. You say, well, what is that, Chris? Read the book of Matthew. Jesus 31 times refers to the kingdom of heaven And four times the kingdom of God. He would say things like, the kingdom of heaven is like this. 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 31 times. You want to get a picture? Read the gospels. 
of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Somebody would say, Jesus, why do you do that? Why does your people do that? Why do you get to do this? Well, we don't like it. Why do you even drink with sinners? Why do you do all these things we don't like? Why do you do all these things our culture doesn't approve of? And he would respond like this. The kingdom of heaven looks like this. I'm not from here, so I'm not going to do the things you're doing. I'm not going to exclude some people because you exclude people. And I'm not going to embrace others because you embrace them. Think about that. The church has aligned ourselves with people we shouldn't align ourselves with, and we have ignored people we shouldn't ignore. And Jesus said, I'm not going to do it either because the kingdom of heaven looks like this. And he would tell a parable, tell a story. And they would just sit there like, oh my, how are you going to argue with that? This is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And so he wrote it down for us. All right, the next thing, the next rule. So we don't embrace the culture. And then the next rule, we don't look back. How many of you have ever been disappointed? Some of you have very low expectations. Like I've never been disappointed. There's a reason. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 14 through 16. For people who speak thus must make make it clear, thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. Did you hear that? He said, listen, if this promise that they were thinking of was just to go back to where they were from, they'd have already done it. They'd already went back. But this is a promise beyond what they've experienced. So can I let you know this? For anybody that thinks the good old days were the good old days, they weren't the promise. And I'm getting to the age where I thought there was a better time. Is anybody here the age where you're like, well, what's that music nowadays, man? I don't even understand. Do you remember when we had like Chicago and bands? Like, remember that? Remember those great journey? You remember those? Can I tell you the good old days weren't as good as we thought they were? And a lot of the good old days produced today. We don't look back as believers. Paul wrote to the Philippians this famous, famous portion of scripture, Philippians chapter three, verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, help me out. Forgetting what lies behind is straining forward to what lies ahead. He said, if I had to list all the bad things that I've experienced, if I had to list all the good things I've experienced, he said, the truth of the matter is the hope that's in front of me is better than all of those. It's better than all the bad. It's better than all the good. So I wrote this. What has happened is never so bad that it overshadows the promise and never so good that it diminishes it. So if you've experienced difficulty in your life, you, you, might, you might look at me this morning and say, Chris, you have no idea what I'm walking through. Whatever you're walking through does not, does not overshadow what he's promised. That's why Paul could write over and over and over again, these present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that we, will be revealed. He was saying, whatever I'm walking through doesn't overshadow the promise that is ahead of me. The glory that it will be revealed in me, the unbelievable future he's planned for me. Whatever I'm walking through right now, I can endure that because of this future. This is temporary. That is permanent. 
Now, the flip side of that, if we're not careful, because we live in America and we're the, one of the only people that get to do this, we can be so successful, we have so much opportunity there that we'll get, be successful and we'll go, I don't know how heaven can beat this. That's a really dangerous spot to be. Because if you created your own heaven, you better enjoy it while you got the chance. So it's never so bad that it overshadows and it's never so good that it diminishes. What he's promised is unbelievable. So we don't look back. The last thing, the band's going to come up. This is the most difficult concept to get across to the church ever right here. Especially in America, because we have no patience for delayed gratification. Amen? I mean, we're out here. We're out here technically in the sticks compared to everyone else. Not to mention our Berkeley Springs campus. Think about this. We can get an Amazon package. If you order the right thing, you can get it this afternoon. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I needed whatever I ordered. I needed it. I did. We have no patience for delayed gratification. Our relationships prove it. I'll go into that in another sermon. Our, our, the way we spend money proves it. The way we date proves it. The way everything, it just proves that we, we can't wait. We can't wait. What we eat proves it. We will eat trash at a fast food restaurant because we can't wait for the good stuff. It's like, what are we going to fix for dinner? Oh man, that's a lot of work. Let's go eat a cancer stick. Why don't we do that? But it's the way our culture is designed. But the Bible is based on delayed gratification. That your hope is beyond what you'll experience here on this earth. That the hope I have is not to be, is not fully to be experienced in this life, in this breath. It's not fully. I'm getting a glimpse of it. I'm pointing to it. And what the writer of Hebrews says, he says, and they pointed to it. Their lives pointed to it. They died. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And I was looking at this verse, I asked myself, Chris, are you, could you be fine with pointing to something and not experiencing it in this lifetime? Would it be fine for me to plant the tree that somebody else eats from? Did you ever think about that? No, I want that thing to grow up in a year and produce fruit so I can eat it. That's our culture. But the truth is, the gospel message is not to make our life so sweet right now that we don't want the Savior. The gospel message is about pointing to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And it is a sad day when the church wakes up struggling with the idea of whether eternity with Jesus will be as good as what we're experiencing now. Think about that. It's the old song, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Why is that? Paul would say, man, 
It is better for me to be apart from the body and present with God. I'm looking forward to it. He wasn't a masochist. He wasn't, he, he, he didn't, he wasn't suicidal. He was just saying, I know that eternity with my savior is better than anything I could experience on this earth. And I've seen a lot of good and I've seen a lot of bad. And I can't wait until the day eternity steps in front of me and I get to embrace it. I can't wait it. But what he also said was, as long as I'm here, I'll point towards it. As long as I'm here, I'll do the will of the one who sent me. I'll do the stuff that he asked me to do. As long as I'm here, I'll obey him as long as I'm here. Why? Because I'm pointing towards him. And what the church needs to realize is in the midst of everything, our soul, our goal and main purpose is to what? Make disciples. We're supposed to point towards him. Who are you following? We're not following culture. You're not following me. You're not following me. We're following Jesus. Why? Because we get to spend eternity in his presence. That's what he's told us. Is he here for us now? Absolutely. Do we have peace to pass on our saying? Absolutely. Do we have hope? Yes. Do we have, do we have faith? Yes. Do we have all those things? Yes. What are all those things for? To point towards an eternity with him. If we get our minds wrapped around that as a church, stand to your feet, Matthew chapter 6. Verse 9. Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Stop. He didn't say, make my kingdom a reality. He said, your kingdom. Yours. We want your kingdom, Lord. Your will be done while I'm here as it is in heaven. Lord, let me understand how heaven works by making your will happen in my life while I'm here on this temporary place. Let me, let me submit to you. Let me, let me give it all to you while I'm here so that then when I get to heaven, yeah, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Father, we pray that right now all across the building. Listen, if you, if you found yourself embracing culture and letting it define your relationship with God, ask him for forgiveness this morning. Ask him to, to put a desire for him, for his kingdom in your heart, for eternity with him in your heart. Lord, I pray that we desire you more than anything else on this planet. I pray that that would be our hope. It wouldn't be based on anything on this earth. It wouldn't be based on riches or health or peace, it would be based on you and you alone and what you've prepared for us. Lord, help us be, help us to be temporary residents of this earth, pointing people to you. We thank you for it this morning. We give you honor and glory because of it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church, give it praise today. Give it praise today. We thank you. Hey, listen, bless somebody this week. Live like you're temporary here this week and put your hope in what's to come. We'll see you back next week.